Yesterday morning, my dogs and I jumped in the car and headed toward Santa Monica Pier. My daughter had invited me, so of course I said yes to be a part of a march on behalf of an organization called NIDA, the National uh, Eating Disorder Association, and she's an eating disorder therapist. Once there, I found so many people, a big crowd of girls and women and families gathered for the march, many of them sharing at the microphone, telling their stories of pain and growing hope. And these women, most of them young, face life-threatening struggles, and some of them have drawn close to death. And one of the hardest things, they say, about having an eating disorder is swimming upstream every day against the tide of unhealthy messages from our culture that say that you are not good enough, not small enough, not skinny enough, not this enough or that enough. And then when disordered eating threatens their very lives and they enter treatment, Counselors ask them to let go of the one thing that's given them at least an illusion of control, and that is control over their eating. What a scary place to be. Our bodies are a physical manifestation of the lives we lead, the journeys we have made. We bear the scars, we bear the marks physical ones and emotional ones, of the many experiences that have led us to this moment in time now. The hurts, the fears, the disappointments, the losses, the choices, the secrecy, always the secrecy, how hard we try to keep all of these struggles under wraps. We carry it all with us in our bodies, embodied, and for people struggling with an eating disorder, it's a daily choice to accept how your body is that day, even if the culture doesn't want to see you or accept you as you are. And that reminds me of today's passage in, in the Gospel of John. Look at the disciples. When Jesus was alive, they swam bravely against the tide. His words and his actions upended the culture. Now, though, they are awash in shame and secrecy, hiding in a locked room, paralyzed with fear having lost their beloved friend and rabbi Jesus, having seen him crucified. I know they must be feeling such grief in their hearts and in their souls and in their bodies, devastated by so many things, including how they behaved at the end. And wondering, huddled together there in that upper room, how could we have let him down the way we did? What good are we? How can we ever forgive ourselves for failing our friend? And along comes Jesus, entering the room miraculously without unlocking the door. He says to the eleven, Peace be with you. 
He doesn't say, how could you? But peace be with you. And then he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Amazing. They're being sent. It turns out Jesus doesn't want them to hide. He wants them to help others. And so they're not failures after all, even though they let him down. They're good enough to serve, and he wants them out in the world. Jesus breathes on them and says to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Jesus breathes new life into them by empowering them through forgiving to heal. And I say that this means forgiving themselves, ourselves, too. Christ blesses us with the words, Peace be with you. So what would it be like to feel the peace that comes from forgiving our own sins, the mistakes we've made, the pain, the pain-causing choices that we've chosen, which we've all chosen? Instead of spending all our time trying to hide our pain, our scars, our crimes, fully accepting them as a fundamental part of the story of what makes us, us. The next phase of the story you know well. That's the part uh, where Thomas arrives on the scene. One of the disciples, Thomas, the twin, not with the others when Jesus visits, refuses to take their word for it that they have seen the risen Lord and declares, unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the marks of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. Thomas wants to see the scars for himself. Only then will he believe that this is indeed Jesus come again. And this has me wondering, why is Jesus still wounded after his resurrection. This was a, the, the subject of an article in the New York Times last week, right before Easter. Reader Peter Weiner asked this question to all sorts of religious leaders and scholars. Why do the wounds remain? Well, one reason is right here in the story of Thomas, and that's the reason of believability. The wounds help convince Thomas that the, and the other disciples that this is indeed their friend Jesus, resurrected. A second reason is sacrifice. The wounds show physically what Christ suffered for our sake, and his sacrifice touches our hearts. He suffered for us. And a third reason is sort of an extension of that, and I'm thinking of the third reason is solidarity. The wounds, that, the wounds show that Christ understands our pain because he suffered pain. They show us, I know how you suffer, and I suffer with you. This one is amazing, this idea of God 
feeling pain right along with us, suffering with us, vulnerable with us. This means that when we suffer, we're never alone. What a gift. What a God. Never alone. And the fourth and final reason, transformation. Christ's wounds remaining give us a new way of seeing our own wounds, our own suffering, our own scars. Bear, bear with me on this for a minute and think back to a time about which you have a scar, a struggle in your past, a secret. And think how much you want to hide that pain, that scar, right? That's what we do. We worry that the people in our world, if they see our vulnerability and the ways that we are broken, and we are broken, <laughs> then they won't like us or love us or respect us anymore. We even try to hide these things from God. But Christ returns to us with scars and tells Thomas to touch them. Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, Jesus says, but believe. Believe that we are loved not in spite of our wounds and our scars and our mistakes, but including our wounds and our woundedness. What's more, our wounds, our woundedness help make us who we are. You have suffered. I have suffered. We are forged, burnished <laughs> by our suffering. Our suffering has made us beautiful as we are. Yale Divinity School's Professor Kate Fowler says, we bear all the ruins of our past lives that we've lived and what we've endured. What a gift, she says, to have a Savior who does the same. Christ's scars tell us that our scars matter. So the young women yesterday in Santa Monica they travel to hell and back each day as they struggle to accept their bodies, the bodies that they are in, brave bodies battered by our twisted diet culture, bodies and souls suffering greatly and still hanging on one day at a time, one conversation at a time, one hug at a time, helping each other, encouraging each other, Peace be with you. The official gray t-shirt at yesterday's March read, When we connect, we thrive. Their wounds are beautiful maps of their lives. And so are yours and mine. None of us can hide from the hard parts of the story. Well, we can try, but... What would it feel like to honor those parts instead? 
Have you ever had that experience of looking back over a period in your life and just saying to yourself, oh, if I could have a do-over, oh, if I'd only done things differently, those regrets, those mistakes, what you might see as wasted time is not wasted time. Those struggles, we all have them. Think of them, those mistakes, those struggles, as worthy of honor because they're fundamental parts of your story. The story of becoming you, the beloved child of God that you already are no matter what. So when, when Thomas touches Christ's wounds, he feels the truth of all that suffering and all that love, and he cries out, my Lord and my God, one of the most full and open-hearted affirmations in the whole Bible. Yes, we can say that we are broken, wounded, scarred. And now let's add this. I don't know if you're going to believe me, but it's true. Broken is good. Our wounds offer chapters in the story of our lives, and God loves the whole story. Loves you for exactly who you are and exactly what you've experienced and exactly who you are becoming. Learning to feel that love is for us a new life. Resurrected life. Amen.